horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. Okay, and uh, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies Hanging Out with the Regular Guy Radio Show. That's right, folks. We're happy to have you all. I'm John Engelhart, and uh, we're going to highlight the races at Belmont Park today. We'll get on to our, our handicapper before we do that. Our first guest of the evening will be one Brian Buya. He's the uh, Hall of Fame communications director. Uh, and of course, that is uh, Cross Union Ave, a beautiful Saratoga. So I'm kind of giving you all a preview of, uh, I know many people have it on their bucket list or many people make it a annual uh, visitation uh, going to Saratoga Um, and uh, you know they have started earlier and earlier I think we've finally come to the uh, spot where they've pretty much filled the racing calendar Uh, but it will kick up next week so we'll probably have our friend Tom Law there from Saratoga uh, tell us about what's going on but Brian Bowie is going to tell us about it has a it's amazing the the, uh, leaps and bounds that this museum has made i mean you're not just going in and seeing things that are static and having an appreciation for the past these guys in this modern age have reached out and grabbed you and just bring you into the uh, the sport of racing and the great history uh that lies there inside the national museum uh whether it be uh horses or jockeys trainers uh just racing personalities galore. And so instead of standing there and just staring at a plaque, you'll be able to pull up videos of the performers and their best performers that they either rode or trained. It's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, Brian Bouye is going to tell us all about what's going on up there. So make this a part of your travels. And don't forget, they're open year-round, so uh, you don't have to be at the spa. And again... This week in Thoroughbred Racing, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be one heck of a day at Belmont Park. And we're bringing in Jay Keeler Johnson, first-time starter here on the show. He's a writer, handicapper, a horse racing historian. wonder if he's been in the National Museum Hall of Fame. We'll find out. Um, so uh, I noticed I uh, just got off the Blood Horse site a little while ago, and... Uh, Thanks to Byron King for giving me a little shout-out in an article there. And uh, I saw that he has a brand-new article posted about the, I believe it's the Belmont Derby Invitational. That is just one of the many stakes races on the card. We're going to look at four graded, if time will allot us, uh, starting with the legendary Suburban, a mile and a quarter. You want to talk about some of racing's greats. I grew up cutting my teeth on this uh, race. Now, even before me, mind you, uh, unless I could read a racing form, I was in diapers. You had Buck Passer, 
Dr. Fager. And then we moved up a horse I did get to see race, Forgo and Foolish Pleasure. And who could forget the great race between Foolish Pleasure and Forgo in 1976 when it looked like Forgo was going to get the win and Foolish Pleasure. And Eddie Maple knocked him over the head. How do I remember this race? It was on my brother's wedding day, and he pulled an envelope out of his pocket after people had come through line, said, I don't know what's in there, but bet it all on the nose of forego. Well, that was one of my brother Bob's foolish pleasures, shall we say. Anyhow, moving forward a little more modern times, personal flag, easy go or pleasant tap. Devil is due won it twice. I mean, this race a mile and a quarter is a real test and we couldn't get enough people to show up for the test this year. Um, a mile and a quarter, 400,000 on the line, so we will see who Jay Keeler Johnson likes in that race. It is a historic one. And then we've got the Invitational Belmont Oaks and uh, Belmont Derby Invitational. Uh, they'll both be mile and a quarter races on the turf. Horses coming in from all over the world for this one. And then you've got the Speedy Victory Ride. They'll be dashing six and a half furlongs. I'm going to start dropping names of the major contenders there. We'll save that for when Keeler Johnson joins us on the show. So that's how things kind of set out. Let's look at some of the big stories that made the news. Uh, not a good one. Our Belmont Stakes winner, Mo Donegal, is being sidelined with what they're calling bone bruising. So I came out of the classic Belmont with bone bruising out for 60 days, they're saying. Of course, that's always written in sand. Um, so they're going to evaluate him and talk about his, uh, what's going to happen. I don't know if we'll ever see him again in this day and age of uh, you know, winning a big grade one and being shuttled off the stallion, especially when will he be able to come back to grade one caliber we will find out bone bruisings uh you know not exactly a bone break mind you but it's still it's a setback this time of year 60 days can hurt your fall chances and if uh, i hope you had uh, fun watching the conclusion of the churchill downs meet but what happens in kentucky now well ellis park will open up july 8th yep that's tomorrow if you're listening live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's their 100-year anniversary. Whew. Boy, blinking that happened. First opened in 1922 as Dade Park. Now, uh, it only runs 23 dates during the summer, over, stretched over eight weeks, and they'll wrap it up on August 28th. A lot of grass racing down there, folks. It's hot, so wear a light-colored, loose-fitting shirt and shorts, I highly advise. Good trainers and jocks showing up at Bellis at Ellis Park. Uh, asked me, Steve Asmussen, Brett Calhoun, Mark Cassie, uh, Mike Maker. How about Suge McGee, Kenny McPeaky, Brennan Walsh? They're all going to be there. And uh, riding their steeds will be Rafael Bayerano, a guy I've been talking about, Gerardo Corrales, uh, Irishman Jimmy Grams, my favorite, Brian Hernandez Jr., of course. Every year, Corey Landry shows up, and he is a danger. And coming up right behind him will be Joe Talamo this year. And uh, so while that's the Jackie Colony set for 
Ellis, for the most part, again, it's all in flux. There'll be trips here and there during the Ellis meet. But Florent Giroux will ride at the Del Mar summer meet. Uh, so that's kind of interesting that uh, fifth in the standings, uh, just coming out of the Churchill meet, he's going to ride at Del Mar. That starts July 22nd, according to Doug Brader. Doug's, Doug's been a guest on the show before. Hard to believe Flo's 35 years old now, so uh, you won't be seeing him at Ellis, where he usually spent the summers recently. And I guess before that, he's going to fill his time at uh, Horseshoe Indianapolis, Parks Racing, Ellis Park, Colonial Downs. I'm sure there'll be plenty of open stakes mounts that will want that young man in their saddle. Uh, and then also uh, keep an eye out. We got the Iowa Derby and the Indiana Derby coming up this weekend. I know we'll get a chance to see a rattle and roll. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait, didn't we just see rattle and roll? Yeah, we did, but he's coming right on back. Um, so, uh, He's five to two in the morning line, and we will find out. So, uh, all right, Fourth of July weekend results. Let's get to the races we handicap first, and then we'll move on to other national results. But you're probably saying, "How did you guys end up doing last week, John?" Well, not too bad, especially since some of the races were predictable. How about the Stephen Foster Olympiad? Pretty sharp handicappers out there. Bill Mott's trainee. Made it five in a row. Keeps stepping up in class. Now has another grade one in his belt. We'll find out if this son of Spitestown uh, for the Mott Stable can get it done. But wow, what a performance. Great patience on the part of Bill Mott. We got a fresh Really good-looking four-year-old in Olympiad, Junior Alvarado, who rides regularly for Bill Mott, was in the saddle. In the second spot at 7-2 was American Revolution. Boy, this horse had a skein of really good races. Throw out its last in the blame. It was only his first start of the season. You're going to hear more about American Revolution. And in the third spot was... Roxy. All right, on to the eighth race, the Fleur de Lee. We said this was going to be a good one, whether it was just to watch or to bet. I say sit back and watch, and if you did, you got to see She Shares the Devil run down Kevin Kilroy's pick, Super Quick, who was bet down at 2-1, to one, uh, led 24-1, and 47-4. Not the most, uh, you know, uh, track burning up speed on the lead but got the job done uh all we can say is only for the first part of the race as she shares the devil the brad cox trainee we're just talking about florent Giroux, the regular rider gets the job done she is a beautiful mare and will be something to contend with down the road and another one of the stakes that was on the churchill card it was wicked halo no big surprise all you folks had this one one to five the asmussen daughter of gunrunner got the job done uh, had been racing at shorter distances but was able to stretch out but you spotted that folks sent away at one to five and oh what a race it was what a horse he is life is good another horse bet way down at the windows this race as expected came out life is good on top 
over speaker's corner. A game effort, but life is good is just too good right now. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see when this four-year-old trained by Todd Pletcher, another talented into mischief offspring. We'll see where he ends up at the end of the year. It's setting up to be a really good older division with these four-year-olds coming to light. And then we did take a trip down to see our buddy Pete Aiello down at Gulfstream Park. And uh, in there, it was Willie Boy giving Chantel Sutherland her second win of the day in the Smile Sprint Invitational. She got the job done over 22 to 1 shot Putin in the third. At 15 to 1 was Absolute Grick and a 4 to 5 odds on favorite. This one didn't get home. Drain the clock might have been drained from its last effort over in Dubai, ended up running fourth. And then it was the Princess Rooney. What a fine race mare she was. And no doubt about this one, another uh, chalky favorite getting home. But, folks, it was a short field, and this mare is a standout. Mike McCarthy trains CC. Gets the job done. Her resume is beautiful over the last two seasons. She's won now well over $2 million, a tip of the cap to CC. Well, it looks like we're kind of closing in on our uh, weekend results. Uh, Gulfport uh, romped in the Bashford Manor. Keep an eye out for him. It's time to watch the two-year-olds. Another one in the ladies' division will be Wonder Wheel. And congratulations to Tyler Gaff-Leone. He got his eighth riding title at Churchill Downs and another top vote-getter as Rider of the Week. All right, quick break. We're going to be talking about uh, the Easy Wind forms that had great big hits over the last week. Uh, killing them at Gulfstream, two big scores there over 1,700 and 1,400. And then we're also uh, going to tell you coming up in this break a little bit about BetUS.com. And we come back, yeah, we got a winner for you. That's right. It's going to be Brian Booyah. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Guys, with a lot of big racing right around the corner, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS for all of your gambling needs. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades. 
thriving and paying their loyal customer base. With action on every sport across the world, we can pretty much guarantee that we got your game. So join now using Capital Ponies and get a big 125% deposit bonus up to 2500 So play with the mainstay in the industry. Get your bets down with BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid. But before you go to BetUS.com, you want to come over to WinningPonies.com and pull down your easy win forms. They're inexpensive, they're fast, and look on the site. You're going to see our results. We come up with some excellent plays every week, and the results are right there. So come on over to WinningPonies.com, get your easy win forms, and then get your action down at BetUS.com. US.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman I'm really happy to get on. There's probably two really key positions if you're a lover of the game and you respect racing history. And I would say that that would be the uh, main person that uh, coordinates things at the Keeneland Library, and I would say it would be the communications director at the National Museum of Racing located in beautiful Saratoga, and that is one no other than Brian Buya. Brian, welcome to Winning Ponies. Great to hear your voice. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, uh, Brian, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of set the table a little bit ahead of the show, but there, there, there's a lot to tell people. But, you know, growing up as a kid, I remember going to, to Cooperstown, and it was exciting, you know, just to see those balls signed by Babe Ruth and Stan Musial's jersey and Yogi Berra's catcher's mitt and on and on and on. But but they're things. And up until I'm going to let you fill in the blanks, I'm going to say up until uh, a decade or so ago, uh, it seems like the uh, the National Museum has really taken a step forward and saying, well, yeah, you can come here and, and admire the greats of the past or or we can suck you right into their story. And it looks like that's the direction you've gone in from what I've seen. Now, my plans are to go up there this summer and see it in person. But you tell me about it, because it seems like you've gone from the plaque on the wall to the here, step into history. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you really hit the nail on the head there. Within the last uh, 
you know, seven, eight years, we've, we've made a lot of, uh, you know, progress as far as embracing technology and transitioning to a, a more modern institution. And, uh, you know, you talk about Cooperstown and, and those museums and everything, and, um, you know, they're going to draw their hundreds of thousands of people a year. But, you know, we had to try to do something a little different here in Saratoga. And uh, our, our board of trustees really had some great ideas led by John Hendrickson, our president, um, you know, a couple of years back, you know, our Hall of Fame was kind of running out of space. You know, you mentioned the plaques on the walls and uh, the experience in there. And it was a nice, quiet experience. And it, it gave you the story a little bit. But, um, you know, when we realized that, you know, we had an opportunity to really kind of reinvent the museum, um, you know, we decided that we wanted to take the Hall of Fame and to make it a really digital, interactive experience, uh, something you really couldn't get at another sports Hall of Fame or other museums. And what we did was um, we commissioned a new signature film, uh, which is called um, What It Takes Journey to the Hall of Fame. And it, it examines, you know, you know what that what that experience is like for the people and the horses who've gotten into the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, people can win Eclipse Awards or have big races, but, you know, to get into the Hall of Fame means you had a great career. It means you did something that's going to stand the test of time. And it's far less than 1% that actually ever get that honor. So um, we treat it with a lot of reverence, and we decided that we wanted to go digital and bring a big experience to people. So, you know, the new the new film, you know, showcases that and, uh, you know, it takes you to the farm and it shows you, you know, the, the great breeders and owners and interviews with top trainers and jockeys and really shows some of the great moments in the history of the sport. And it's just a lot of a, a timeless sort of experience. Um, but as, as the film ends, it really transitions you into the Hall of Fame and the stories of the inductees. And um, we have these digital stations where you can go and uh, it's a touch screen and the plaque will come right up. Um, but it's much more than that. You know, you can view photo galleries and uh, race replays and induction clips and highlights. Um, and it's, it's really something that, you know, has taken it to a new level, especially for, you know, people that were trying to educate about the early history of the game. You know, previously you could come in the museum and look at these plaques. And, you know, some people have never seen photos of a lot of the inductees, especially the early ones, or uh, seen some of the artwork and, you know, some of these early races and stuff. So we wanted to give them a new experience. And, uh, you know, it's been a real home run for us. Well, uh, now, now, does do you guys don't jack the price up during live racing, and then have it be a different price during off season? Do you? No, it's it's the same price, uh, same admission, you know, year round. Um, you know, we we also have you know membership opportunities where if you buy a membership, um, and if you've got a family, basically if you come twice, it more than pays for itself. Um, you know, but we're we're open year round. It's the same. Uh, same price if you want to come in November versus August. Um, you know, we're not uh, we're not like some of the institutions around Saratoga that got to make all the money in the summertime and uh, <laughs> you know charge those summer prices that are kind of tough. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know we think it's a it's a really good opportunity to, to build our membership over the last few years with uh, a lot of the programming we have as well too. So uh, a lot of value with you know it's it's a twenty dollar admission for an adult. You know we have discounts for seniors for students. Um, but it's always free as a museum member. So if you get a, uh, um, you know, if you get a museum membership, you know, you get free admission year round. We also offer uh, free admission for active military members, uh, veterans. Um, you know, we, we work well with the New York Racing Association across the street, and their employees are always uh, free to the museum. So there's there's a lot of great value to come over and, and check us out. Uh, we're talking with Brian Bouye from up there in beautiful Saratoga, where I beckon you all to go to the Nash Museum of, of Racing. Now, uh, it's not static, as I just 
painted the picture, Brian painted the picture of what you're going to uh, see or have the opportunity to experience when you're there. Uh, but it also rotates as far as subject matter that's concerned that is highlighted. And and there's one that's of particular interest to me and, and maybe to Brian because Brian doesn't know this, but he and I were taking photos at the same place on the same day. And we never met each other. And that was down at Keeneland from looking at his Flickr account. It looks like in the background, even though he has them beautifully uh, uh, disappearing in the background with his uh, short, I'll go say, F4, F stop on some of his subjects, um, that uh, we've you shot at Keeneland recently, didn't you? Yeah, I've been down there several times. Um, you know, I, I always try to make a trip or two a year. Um, you know, it's, it's such beautiful racing down there and such great scenery, whether you're there in the spring or the fall. Um, you know, but I, I was able to make it last fall and I'm, I'm hoping to be back again, uh, uh, late October this year for the Breeders' Cup and everything. And I've been fortunate enough to have a, a credential there at the track and, uh, you know, be able to also go out to some of the farms and shoot some great shots there and stuff. And, uh, you know, Saratoga, Keeneland, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities there between the passion for, uh, horses and racing and just the culture of it. And, uh, you know, I consider myself pretty lucky to be able to take some photos of those places. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Brian, as a longtime equine photographer myself, your work's good. And a guy that allowed me to, you know, you can either have a door open or shut in your face there, was a guy by the name years and years ago. I just went down, young guy with a camera on his neck, down in Florida, and this guy by the name of Jim Rafferty, he said, well, here, come here. He was a track photographer down at Gulfstream Park, and he says, well, you here, you walk around with me. You can come with me today. And he was nice enough to take me under his wing and let me go out and get, you know, finished line shots and things like that with him and right now you have a, a, a Rafferty uh, ran under the nom de course of uh, turf photos um, but Barbara Livingston who is a Saratoga native and still a resident uh, does a marvelous job not only in her multi-eclipse award winning photography but as a fantastic uh, person who preserves the sport and I guess this is her collection because I think she bought or somehow took over uh, operating the Jim Rafferty collection. Yeah, that's correct. And, and first of all, that's that's amazing to hear that you had the opportunity to, to spend some time with uh, Mr. Raftery. I I never got a chance to know him, but uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about Barbara. She's she's a lover of the history of the sport and a chronicler uh, of the sport, along with being you know one of the elite photographers herself in the history of racing. And uh, you know, we were able to have this conversation with her when she started posting uh, some of this collection on social media, and she's. She bought, you know, she was able to acquire this collection from the family, and, uh, you know, she's doing a remarkable job to preserve it. And, you know, the museum is just honored to be able to have this exhibit that's going to open uh, next Thursday um, on opening day at Saratoga. Um, if you go to our website right now, we, we did start an exhibit page, and we've got, you know, probably about 30 images on there, um, kind of a bit of a teaser. And the ones that are up there are not what you're going to see in the exhibit. Um, you know, just kind of give you an idea, they just give you an idea of, you know, what Jim Raftery did, everything from these amazing portraits of jockeys and trainers and racing personalities to, 
you know, um, covering the top races to show, showcasing the different angles of the track, uh, the morning scenes, you know, the variety of stuff that he shot is just incredible. And um, he had such a creative flair um, that you really don't see too often. And, and Barbara recognized that. And, uh, you know, I've seen uh, her social media stuff where she's shown the, the boxes and boxes of negatives. And, uh, you know, she's gone through, you know, probably tens of thousands of these already. And she's like, I still got to make a huge dent in this stuff. So um, we've been very fortunate to work with her. And she's been a huge help in uh, helping us curate this and select the images that are going to go into the exhibit. Um, there's going to be more than 60 images on display. And we're going to keep adding them to the website as well. So uh, it, it's an amazing experience. And, you know, Jim Raftery covered racing from the 1930s through the 1990s. So that tells you, um, you know, the depth of what he saw and, you know, the legends of the sport and, you know, just the amazing scenes and seeing these tracks like Garden State Park and, uh, you know, places that take you on a journey to the past. It's, it's going to be a really great exhibit that we're looking forward to. Well, uh, we, we need to rewind this to the beginning of the interview. Uh, Brian Bouillot, who is the Hall of Fame and Communications Director of the National Museum of Racing, in that uh, we've kind of glossed over the fact that uh, we're in conversation right now with an esteemed author of no less than two books. Now, my brother Bob used to tell me, he was a, he was a white cap up at Saratoga, uh, that they used to have boxing matches between the jockey or after the races on certain nights there'd be boxing matches between the jockeys now i don't know if you your one book touches on that or not but it was bare knuckles and saratoga racing the remarkable life of john morrissey uh was my brother bullcrap of me so he could come home late every night or were there really boxing matches up there you know, I, I mean, you hear these stories about different eras at Saratoga, and some of this stuff sounds, you know, kind of uh, fantastical or, or fairy tale stuff. But a lot of that is true. Um, you know, I, I've heard a lot of these stories that they've had, and uh, you know, Saratoga was, uh, you know, a, a destination for all sorts of entertainment, whether it was gambling or boxing or, uh, you know, bicycle racing or, or out on the lake where they're having the regattas and stuff. There was always something going on. Um, but you know, there, there's definitely been jockeys that were boxers. They're, they're, very, very tough people, and a lot of them made money on the side doing that. I mean, it's certainly not something that uh, you know has happened in recent years or anything like that. But that's part of the lore. And uh, you know, Saratoga has a very kind of interesting history with boxing. I mean, uh, you know, Jack Dempsey was heavyweight champion during the twenties, I and mean, he trained out on Saratoga Lake for several of his title fights. Um, yeah. You know, he was a Saratoga regular. Gene Tunney trained in Saratoga. Um, you know, so there was a lot of uh, that legacy. But it it really kind of started with John Morrissey, who. Uh, you know, by the time he came to Saratoga, his, his boxing career was over, but it was called bare knuckles because that's what he was. He was a bare knuckle fighter. Um, and he fought these incredible battles. Um, you know, when he won the bare knuckle boxing title, you know, he did it in 38 rounds. Um, so it's certainly a lot different than what you think about boxing today. Oh, I don't know why you want to be a, not, a doctor ringside at one of those fights. Um, but now I, I just got I got news for you. This is not going to be the last interview you're doing with Winning Ponies because you're also the co-author of the Travers 150 Years of Saratoga's Greatest Race. Now, again, I alluded to it earlier. Uh, I wasn't kidding when I, we used to call the Travers a holy race of obligation. Uh, in, in my Irish Catholic family, we would all like a high mass. We would meet at the Travers Stakes wherever we were that year. That was like our family reunion. So uh, the, the, the 
<clears throat> the Travers has a special place in my heart, and my brother I just mentioned his son's middle name is Travers, and that's not because we're related, <laughs> not because we're related to anybody named Travers. Uh, but uh, but and anyhow, I and we've only got a couple minutes left, but uh, just okay, if. If number one, I can tie you in an interview around uh, the uh, Travers, that'd be great. But just sure. give us a sample of of what we might find in your book. Well, it was you know I, I consider myself very fortunate to have you know been able to do this project with, with Michael Veach, who's a, a longtime turf writer and he's been a, a trustee of the museum and a historian. And uh, you know he's he's of the famous Beach Racing family. Um, his uncle was Sil Veach. His cousin is John Beach. Um, and, and, you know, I considered him, I consider Mike a mentor and, and a good friend. And, you know, when we were coming up on the 150th, you know, I thought, boy, it'd be great to kind of do a, a story about the Travers history. And, you know, I kind of thought early on that, you know, I'd basically just kind of cover the race's history, talk about a few of the key races. Um, and it'd be a nice little book. Um, but as I kept looking at all these stories of each individual year, I didn't want to leave anything out. And I realized that, you know, I wanted to tell each of the races stories um, but I realized that I would never get it done in time for the 150th if I didn't have a partner. And uh, I asked Mike, I said, hey, do you want to split up some of the work on this? And I think it would be a pretty fun coffee table book to do. And uh, he was he was all in, and we had a great time uh, putting it together. And we were so fortunate to have the, the Racing Museum's collection and to be able to work with Keeneland Library. And um, a lot of the great artists, um, you know, and photographers, you know, contributed to the project. Um, you know, Barbara Livingston gave us some stuff, Skip Dickstein, the Keeneland Library, uh, you know, artists like Greg Montgomery and Sharon Crute and Robert Clark. Um, so we, we made a really, really fun coffee table book about it. And we told the story of every Travers um, from 1864 all the way through, uh, you know, the 150th running. And uh, we're looking at updating the book uh, probably next year with a few more uh, of the editions since then. So it was a fun project to work on and, uh, you know, something we're really proud of to be able to put out. Yeah, I guess some people west of the Mississippi don't understand the reverence in which uh, the, the Travers holds to uh, people on, on the on the eastern part of the country. But uh, it really was for so many years, and uh, you know, you're telling us now it's uh, about as old as the Kentucky Derby that um, th- it was the summer place to be. I think they had T-shirts named that one time, Saratoga. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, like you said, you know, the, the Travers is, you know, Travers does predate all the Triple Crown races, and uh, you know, there have been 26 Hall of Fame horses that have won the Travers, a, a ton of uh, three-year-old division champions, and you know, the people of, you know, the jockeys and the trainers who are part of its lore are just, uh, you know, it's it's a remarkable thing. And you know, by the time you get to the Travers. You know, when you're in the Triple Crown Series, you know, the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and the Belmont, you know, you're still learning about these horses. And I think by the time you're here in the summer, you usually have a much better idea. You know, I mean, uh, you know, when American Farrell wins the Kentucky Derby, it's a big deal. But when he comes to Saratoga as a Triple Crown winner, um, you know, it kind of brings a different sort of buzz. And, uh, you know, it's had a lot of great upsets in the history, you know, American Farrell being one of them getting beaten. But, you know, Jim Dandy beating Gallon Fox at 100 to 1. Um, you know, it's just got that sort of, you know, history of, that's intertwined with Saratoga and racing and, uh, you know, just so much fun to be a part of. I, I know uh, I, I had one of my greatest moments in racetrack betting at Saratoga when I bought a $20 win ticket after the race and it paid. And you're probably saying, wow. John, how did you do that? Well, one of our favorite places was in that when you walk in that the the gate um on the paddock side would be in that picnic area 
And yep. uh, so you'd go up, and it'd be crowded. Sure, the big races, you'd go out and watch in person. But other than that, you spent your afternoon back there. You, but the great thing was you could see them all right, walk right by you and practically you know, reach out and touch him. But so the, I'm watching this race and I got this and the guys come on with the three, come on with the three, come on with the three, oh, oh, three. And I'm watching the same race he is in. And I said, I said, Hey buddy, the three won. He goes, Oh yeah. You want to buy my ticket? I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I handed him the 20. He gave me his ticket. He took about three steps away, and the photo comes up official. And I'm like, everybody around was kind of giving me a quiet, oh, yeah, way to go, kid. There <laughs> I, was you go. Only, yep. I was only 15 at the time, you know, but I knew I knew what I could see, what I could see. Anyhow, you can see I get all pumped up talking about Saratoga, talking about that whole area, talking about uh, this time of the year, and, and now getting a chance to talk to Brian Bouya, who again uh, is gets to tell us as the communication director at the National Museum of Racing all that's happened, how they're taking us into the new age, how they're expanding, how easy it is for you to get. It's not just a Saratoga thing. It, it, it's year round. And and now because I have him live on air, you know, and I, I've got him by the bare knuckles. Brian, do you promise me you'll come back around the Travers Stakes to discuss the history of that great race? Uh, I'd be happy to, and uh, you know, let me know when you're in Saratoga. We'd love to show you around the uh, the museum and, and get you a chance to see all the things we've done and uh, the history of the sport. And uh, looking forward to it. Well, you'll be a busy man. Just uh, let me in the back door when I knock three times, and I'll, I'll be a happy man. So don't worry about it. But Brian, it's been great catching up with you. I'm sure there's many, many stories. And uh, as welcoming you make me feel, Saratoga. If you're coming to the Lexington area, you give me a call. Okay. I'll definitely be down there in the fall, and we'll look forward to seeing you this summer. And uh, you know, can't wait for the racing to start up here. All right. That was Brian Bouya, the Hall of Fame and Communications Director from the National Museum of Racing in beautiful Saratoga, New York. We're going to take a quick break, tell you about the best sheets in town to get your winners from, because we got the big ones all the time. Come on over to winningponies.com. Check out the easy win forms. Uh, you'll see the results there we we post our selections we post our results so you'll get to see uh what's been coming up what tracks are hot and hopefully soon it'll be saratoga and if for some reason you can't get down to the track you can always open up a betus.com account check them out they offer the industry's bigger retail bonuses that keep you playing longer so listen close betus.com and easy win forms at winning ponies quick break when we come back jay keeler johnson is going to be joining us as a first time starter here on winning ponies Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, guys. With a lot of big racing right around the corner, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS for all of your gambling needs. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades 
thriving and paying their loyal customer base. With action on every sport across the world, we can pretty much guarantee that we got your game. So join now using Capital Ponies and get a big 125% deposit bonus up to 2500 So play with the mainstay in the industry. Get your bets down with BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid. But before you go to BetUS.com, you want to come over to WinningPonies.com and pull down your easy win forms. They're inexpensive, they're fast, and look on the site. You're going to see our results. We come up with some excellent plays every week, and the results are right there. So come on over to WinningPonies.com, get your easy win forms, and then get your action down at BetUS.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and coming with us now is the first time we've had this gentleman on the show, uh, Jay Keeler Johnson. Uh, he's a writer, a handicapper. But hey, uh, Keeler, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, you know, I've been reading you, and but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going through my Rolodex of you know my uh, pho- photographic memory, and I'm thinking I can't place a, a face with a name. I'm trying to think of where I know this guy, and and then I find out that uh, you kind of pretty much watch the sport remotely because I am talking to you from uh, a place that's not too busy that should give you a lot of chances to concentrate on horse racing you are in wisconsin that's right uh uh no thoroughbred tracks around here but um uh lovely lovely part of the country um, love the weather around here not too hot in the summer a little cold in the winter but um wonderful place um well killer what when, when when you're not writing about racing, what do you do up there to pay the rent? Well, well, I, I guess uh, mostly what I do is write about racing, but we also uh, we live on a farm up here, a family farm, uh, and uh, raise Welsh ponies, and um, 
uh, bale our own hay and have a fruit and plum tree orchard and um, all kinds of stuff like that. It, it's uh, it's wonderful, really. Wow. Well, I got to say, it's a lot different than talking to somebody from Lexington, Kentucky on a lot of levels, that's for sure. Uh, you obviously stay pretty busy. So, all right, you've kind of set the stage. Now, I, I think you told me that you live in an area, one of the rarest areas in the United States, that you are not within an hour of a Walmart? That's right. Uh, <laughs> it, it's probably right on that hour mark, uh, maybe a, a hair longer, but... Um... Not uh, not too much around here. Pretty rural. All right. So most people would say, "Now, John, are you sure you're, you're talking to the right guy? That this is the this is the Jay Keeler Johnson that I've been reading in in the Blood Horse." And it's yes, it is. And it's like, all right, how does a guy uh, from uh, what would not be considered horse country uh, develop? Uh, such an affinity to the sport that he not only delves into it, uh, but uh, becomes a handicapper and a racing historian. Well, I have to credit uh, my family for that, uh, in that uh, my mother and my brother um, always been casual fans of horse racing, so it's it's the kind of thing where it's always on TV when it's the Triple Crown or the Breeders' Cup, so... Certainly, I grew up, uh, don't even really remember a time without uh, watching horse racing on TV. And then I would say that uh, my brother introduced me to the Blood Horse magazine. He would subscribe during the Triple Crown season, and he got me hooked on reading Steve Haskins' Derby Dozen, and that's where the, the handicapping aspect started to really interest me, the idea of sorting through all those derby horses and trying to figure out which ones would develop and which one would win the Kentucky Derby. And um, then around the same time, I see a Blood Horse magazine, and I think it was uh, talking about Curlin winning the Dubai World Cup in 2008. And, of course, I remember Curlin from the Triple Crown the previous year, and I was fascinated by the idea that these Triple Crown horses um, would go on and, and do other things. They could race as older horses and win big races, and Curlin had won a lot of money by that point, and he was within shouting range of Cigar's earnings record, and he was probably going to be the first to pass the $10 million mark in earnings, which he did. So I loved that possibility. It's like, there's history happening right here. And so became a big fan of Curlin. I'd liked him in the Triple Crown, liked uh, liked to see him win the Preakness. Uh, so it was fun to to kind of catch up with a old favorite like that, see him make history, win all those races, get to the ten million mark, and then uh, Zenyatta came along right after that. Uh, such a fan of her, and just never turned back. Huh? So uh, now, 
where does one go to get all of his racing information? Like ninety nine percent of it, do you uh, just do you take it all off the internet? Do you do telephone interviews? Uh, you, wh- how do you uh, prepare for a story, and how do you get assignments for a story? Or do you do you call uh, Claire and say, "Hey, I got an idea for a story on blank," and uh, she says, "Run with it." Oh. Um, you mean like just in, in general on the on the writing yeah. end? Um, yeah, yeah. What's the just, process? Just through the years, uh, reaching out to people and saying hi. And well, actually, I I started very first off uh, just as a as a fan of the blogs that were on bloodhorse.com, and I was uh, fortunate to. Uh, be able to write a few guest blog posts through the years for a couple of the writers there. Uh, a shout-out to Jason Chandler, who used to run a couple of blogs for Blood Horse. Um, he gave me several opportunities to fill in for him when uh, he was out for the week. And so that was kind of a starting point where just get your foot in the door and start... Uh, hmm, uh, I started my own blog as well to uh, kind of get some practice on the writing front and then just over time keep on trying, keep on writing, keep on reaching out, and um, bit by bit it um, all comes together. I've been blessed with a lot of opportunities, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, uh, had fun reading your story, betting the home team in the Belmont Derby. That's one of the uh, races uh that will be uh, coming up. And uh, so that would be the Caesars Belmont Derby Invitational, the long name of the million-dollar race. Is that correct, Keeler? Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to it. What a field. Hmm? Really, Belmont's put together a great card for Saturday. Yeah, what, 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 you know, I'm going to paint with a broad brush, and then I'm going to let you fill in the details from what you've seen uh, while you handicap the this race for your article uh, in the blood horse and uh, that it looks like uh, the Irish breads uh, look tough. Uh, they all got top, top connections. Uh, they look really tough to me. Now, maybe you follow the European racing uh, closer than I do, but all I know is when Charles Appleby came over here last year to the States, he taught us a lesson on how to train and when he brings over a rider by the name of frankie detori you probably want to maybe pay attention to to nation's pride now now you talked about steve haskin well uh, that article has been taken over by a friend of mine byron king uh, the mm-hmm. derby dozen and he pointed out a horse to me that had only come out of a maiden race by the name of emmanuel well, mm-hmm. tip of the tip of the cap to Byron. Uh, this horse is now uh, won over a quarter million dollars and uh, was very impressive in the Pennine Ridge. It is one of the hometown uh, horses that we'll be looking at. I guess another home team uh, might be Grand Sonata, who rates very very well. I wouldn't look for this horse to be um, any part of the early going. But uh, so I've done enough talking except for to mention tis the bomb uh that that'll be another one that'll be in another zip code in the early running but could be coming late i'm going to turn this over to jay keeler johnson to help us with this million dollar race at belmont park well first off i have to agree it was amazing what charlie appleby did with his 
horses in North America last year. Um, nine wins from 18 starters. Uh, I believe some of those starters were running against each other. Eight grade one wins, three Breeders' Cup wins. It was a sensational year. So absolutely uh, have to respect Nation's Pride just for that. Charlie Appleby has had great success uh, choosing the right horses to send over for these big races. And uh, as I recall, had a nice string of success at Woodbine, I believe, last fall with Frankie DeTori coming over. So definitely high-profile connections there. Well, the other um, Irish bred, the Stone Age, you know, when you're name-dropping top trainers right uh, alongside or maybe uh, linked ahead of Charles Appleby uh, would have to be the D. Wayne Lucas of Europe and Aidan O'Brien, and he's coming over with a regally bred son of Galileo who absolutely loves the longer going. He, he, that's going to be a tough one, but you, your headline says that it's betting the home teams the way to go in the Belmont Derby. So we only got a couple minutes left. I want to uh, touch on a couple races. So give me, let's say, your two standouts in here, Keeler. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say that uh, as strong as some of these European shippers do look, uh, the Belmont Derby surprisingly has tended to favor the home team more than the shippers. They've had eight editions so far. Six have been won by horses based in the U.S., which is not necessarily what you would expect. I'm really kind of interested in playing Tiz the Bomb. He hasn't run on turf this year, but last year was really strong on grass, won a couple of stakes. He was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf behind Modern Games, who came back and won a classic in France to start the year. So that was some tough competition that Tiz the Bomb ran really well against. And he stayed in strong form this year. Uh, he beat the Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike, uh, at Turfway during the winter. Also, Tawny Port. He's come back, win a couple of graded stakes. Uh, um, Tis the Bomb's coming out of the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, there's some years where the Kentucky Derby maybe isn't the most productive race in the short term, where horses come out of the Derby and struggle a little bit. But this year, that has not been the case. The Derby starters have been pretty much on fire yeah. coming out of the Derby. Um, four right. horses have already come back to win graded stakes, and Epicenter good second in the Preakness. So I think Tis the Bomb is a real threat. Eh, while going back to grass, I think he's just tough as nails, tries so hard, won the bourbon stakes at Keeneland last year after he broke through the gate before the race. Eh? So that's where I'm going for my top pick. Eh? Kinda, I, I respect Nation's Pride eh? and Stone Age. Certainly think they can get in the top four. I do like limited liability as a long shot eh? in that eh, he got no pace to chase at all in the Penine Ridge at Belmont last month. It was just a pedestrian pace, but he closed a lot of ground down the home stretch. was only beaten a length and a half. He's by Kitten's Joy out of a blame mare, so I think the mile and a quarter should suit him just fine. Uh, I can see him getting involved at double-digit odds, especially if the pace is faster this time. 
Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to hope it is because we need some action here, and I am pretty much out of time. So, Jay Keeler Johnson, I, I want to thank you. I want to remind you, listeners, uh, not only can you read his uh, latest article in the Bud Horse, but look at this card at Belmont Park. Mile and a quarter, the Suburban 400,000. A mile and a quarter, the Belmont Oak 700,000 on the line. And let's not forget the Speedy Victory Ride, a six and a half dash with 150000 on the line. That's pretty much it. I want to thank Brian Bouye, Jay Keeler Johnson, and I want to thank you for listening and remind you to come on over to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms, and then go check out betus.com. It's not just the ponies. If you got a hunch, bet a bunch. BetUS has been serving clients for over 27 years. Thanks again, everybody. Appreciate you for tuning in to Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. May all your photos be winning ones. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.